Hello, and welcome everyone to your very first edition of Fireside Chats with Clear Fire here on the HK Video Game Experience Podcast. I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners that's been listening to us for this past year. We've been doing podcasting now for about a year now on retro video games and video gaming experience just throughout uh, the, all, all the time between me and Hollywood Cole, and it's been a great journey so far. We really appreciate all you listeners out there and everyone that's participated in our contests, contests and different things like that. It's really been fun and a lot of fun, and we hope to bring you more content. And I know that it's been kind of a running joke on the H&K uh, podcast that we've been doing, going to do this fireside chat and been talking about the different topics and different things that I do it on and when I'm going to do it and everything but I finally decided you know what it's time to just put it down and lay down something lay down something good and with us having to do our recent podcast that we did on Streets of Rage and me having to build a Raspberry Pi or a Retro Pi so I could actually play the game I thought that would be a great way to talk about my experience of building the RetroPie and how well it works and how much I've enjoyed it and how well it works for what we need it for, for being able to play these retro games and things like that. It's a very fantastic little device. So today what we're going to be talking about is the RetroPie, building a RetroPie, what you would need to do, and just kind of just quick quick uh, overview of that and if I have time I might jump into something else maybe talk about a game I'm playing or something like that but I really want to focus on the retro pie so this uh, this episode of Fireside Chats is probably going to be pretty short but that's what I kind of want to do is I want to give you these brief little things for these Fireside Chats not something that would take up an hour or so of your time like our other podcast does but something that you can just listen to real quick and get some quick information on something that either is near and dear to my heart or something that's just really cool or just something I feel feel a need that I need to talk about. You know, it's kind of the same way what Hollywood's doing with his uh, uh, with with his smooth ramblings. And I know I'm probably not of a smooth speaker as him sometimes, but I'm going to try to do my best and I apologize if I do any stutter or stumbling on this. So just just bear with me. So first first things first, let's get started. Um, let's just talk about what a Raspberry Pi first is. You know, when I'm talking about Raspberry Pi, I'm not talking about that wonderful, delicious fruit you pick off the vine and eat or you put into that wonderful, delicate pastry crust. That wonderful Raspberry Pi. I'm sorry, I really love Raspberry Pi, if you can't tell. Not the actual computer, but the actual food. Raspberry Pi is one of my favorite pies. So that was just something I wanted to throw in there. But Talking about a Raspberry Pi, uh, it was created several years ago basically to help introduce younger ages to basic coding and get them interested in coding and the world around computers because it's a really way it's a really great device to use for educational purposes. It's got a lot a lot of great uses and people have gone far and above just educational with these things. I mean, people have got Raspberry Pis that do home automation now they do all different kinds of cool things you like i said the home automation they put what's called a cody player on there where it runs all of their uh, video media entertainment stuff you've got people that do retro pies which we'll be talking about a little bit later and just 
all kinds of great little things with this with this device. I mean, there's people have developed these neat add-ons that you can actually take a Raspberry Pi and make a tablet out of it to where you can actually have a on-the-go computer like you would with any other tablet that you would buy off the shelf. So it's a really versatile device. It's really great. Um, it uses simple technology. A lot of the device, a lot of the Raspberry Pis use the same processors in it that a cell phone or tablet uses in them as well. So you're looking at these small, amazing little processors in there that can do tons of things. And right now, the they, what they have out now is the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus. It's got higher-end Wi-Fi radios on it. It's got Bluetooth. It's got Ethernet. It's got USB. It's even got HDMI. I mean, it's a great device. It's awesome. So if you haven't really ever heard of a Raspberry Pi, you're missing out, and you really should go look it up and check it out. Um, if you're ever interested in buying one, I always recommend going to Amazon. Probably the easiest and quickest way to get one. They have tons of different starter kits that have either add-on pieces if you're somebody that's that's dealt with computers and, and all that, or even just the basic starter kits to help you just get started to learn more about the Raspberry Pi. There's even tutorials on YouTube on what to do with the Raspberry Pi, the different things that you can do. It's really great. And, and just for another bit of information as well, the Raspberry Pi is a Unix Linux based system. So it's the it's some of the basic types of coding. And you will have to know a little bit of coding language to do this or have a basic understanding. You just have to be able to have that understanding and the confidence in yourself to do some coding. And remember, this thing's great. If you ever mess it up, all the data is on an SD card. All you have to do is pull it out, plug it in your computer, wipe it, and start all over, and you you don't have anything lost. It's great for that. So it's really great on that. And, and that, that that's another place that it gives it its versatility because you probably have quite a few SD cards laying around. Um, the newer models of Raspberry Pi, of course, the, the Raspberry Pi 3, B, B+, all use uh, micro SD. Uh, some of the older Raspberry Pis use just a regular standard SD card. So you have to make sure you have your right equipment first. And, of course, before doing any project with the Raspberry Pi, make sure that if you're following any instructions or plans, to read through them completely three or four times over. Uh, trust me, it, it pays off a lot to do that. Read through those plans three or four times over. Make sure you have everything it says to have downloaded before you even start doing anything. That way, if anything happens, you've got everything right there in order and you know what's going on. I like to create a folder of all the downloads that I need for it and put those downloads in the order that I need to use them. That way, when I open that folder up, I know exactly the order I'm going to be pulling those downloads from to put on the SD card and the different steps you need to take. So, well, with that, let's get in. Let's get started and actually talk about. You know, after giving giving you that introduction, let's talk about the RetroPie. Now, the RetroPie is basically software that is nothing but a software library of emulators. And what an emulator is 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 a device is a software that emulates a system. It basically makes a computer think it's a PS1, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Atari, what have you. And they have tons of emulators out there for different types of systems. They even have an emulator out there that's for arcade. It's called MAME. M-A-M-E. MAME. Great emulator, you know, and it gives you the ability to play arcade games on your PC or on your computer, on your Raspberry Pi, whatever type of 
device that you have to put this on. So really great little device, great, great thing to do. Um, so first of all, you want to make sure that, okay, I want to create a RetroPie. Well, why do you want to create a RetroPie? Is it just to play retro games or is it to play specific retro games? You know, it's just kind of thing to look at and think about. So you decide you want to build a, a RetroPie. Okay, great. The best thing to do is to follow a tutorial. And what I did is I followed one on the internet, easy to look up. I basically just Google search uh, how to build a RetroPie. And that's what I did. And the very first article was one from HowChew. It's a HowChew. It's H-O-W-C-H-O-O.com. I've used them for a couple other things I've done with Raspberry Pis, and they're fantastic, great little tutorial. Of course, there are some things in there that you're going to, you know, if, if you're not familiar with doing things on, on, on for a Raspberry Pi, it's going to kind of throw you off a little bit. So, But hopefully with um, me sharing my experience, this will kind of help you try to get through some of those hiccups and, and get above it. So let, let's, let's look at it. I've got it here pulled up on my phone. I'm going to read some of these steps to you, just try to go through it and then tell you my experiences at these different steps. So first and foremost, you got to have a Raspberry Pi all the parts and everything. Make sure you have your SD card and you have some way of being able to hook it into your PC. You're not going to be able to hook the Raspberry Pi into your PC and let it read the card like that. It doesn't do a pass-through or anything like that. You're going to have to actually have the actual SD card plugged into your PC. So just make sure you have a card reader of some sort and that, that'll take care of that. Or if you have any type of uh, micro SD to SD card adapter to go into a card reader or to a USB, whatever. Just just make sure you have that prepared and you're ready to go. So there's a couple things that you're gonna want to do. I mean, this thing is pretty straightforward. I, lo I love this. I love this tutorial because it even starts off by the very first step of place your Raspberry Pi into its case. I mean, that's kind of a, a duh. You know, you know, you would already have a Raspberry Pi in your case, but you know. It, it, that, that's how good this tutorial is. It makes sure it covers those basic steps. So let's move on. Um, so you want to download the RetroPie SD card image. So it tells you exactly where it is. There's links to click, click on, and you're going to download it. It's going to be in a zip file. So if you're on PC, then very easy to unzip it. You just, when you download it, you right click, there's an unzip. You unzip, you, you unzip it to whichever folder you want it to, and there you go. I would recommend having a folder for everything, like I said before. Just call it RetroPie, and uh, you can put, call it RetroPie Build. Put it, put it everything in an order. Now, there's not going to be a lot of software to download for this one, but still put it in there because it would just be great because you could also put anything else that you download. Like if you decide to download it in your ROMs or anything like that, you could put it all right there, have it there. It'd be nice and easy for you. So let's move on from that. You know, um, you got to make sure though when you go there to download this, you make sure you download the right uh, image for the Raspberry Pi you have. There's several Pis out there. There's a Raspberry Pi Zero, a Zero W, A, B, A plus, and B plus. And then you got Raspberry Pi Two and Three. I know that's going to be overwhelming for you, but most likely, if you buy a new Raspberry Pi right now you're probably going to have a Raspberry Pi 3B+. Those are the newest ones out. If you have that, then as long as you download the image for the Raspberry Pi 2 and 3, you're good to go. There's no difference for whether you have a B or B+, or whatnot. It's just right there. So download that, get it there, make sure you have it um, in that folder so that way you know where it is. It's easy to cut, cut over. So now you want to make sure you have your SD card in your PC. Put it in. Um, and you're going to have to format your card. 
So the thing with a Raspberry Pi, it's only going to re read in uh, FAT or XFAT. Those are different types of file systems for different computers. PCs can read several different types. They mainly want to do uh, FAT32, those types of, uh, or NTFS. I forget exactly all of them, but there's quite a few. So you're looking at FAT for doing this. Now, depending on the size of your card, is depending on whether you want to go FAT or XFAT. So if you have a 32 gigs or smaller card, you're going to go FAT. And if you go uh, 64 or larger, you're going to go as XFAT. So whenever you plug up your SD card, you'll be able to see those. You have those options. It'll drop down in front of you. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, pretty easy to do. And as long as you're looking at this step-by-step -step guide, it's not going to be bad. And it's not going to overwhelm you because the, what's great about this step-by-step -step guide, it has it for for all the steps for Windows and for Mac. So if you got a Mac, you can even do this do this on your Mac. Pretty easy, straightforward. So just read it. I'm not going to get all the nitty-gritty about this, but just get, get you know to just kind of give you an overview of what I went through. So when I went to format my card, I actually used a card that I previously had and already had stuff on it. So I had to make sure I wiped it and everything like that. I would recommend not using the um, if you're using a Windows uh, machine, not using the uh, just just the basic uh, wiper, download a wiper. Um, I used a, a disc cleaner or whatnot to clean it really well to make sure there was nothing left behind. Make sure you clean it really well because a lot of these SD cards they're basically uh, random access memory. They're very very like they're basically they're basically an SSD. That's basically their solid state hard drive, basically just small form factor. They're flash flash memory. So you want to make sure you clean it off because sometimes there can be remnants there. I did this because I started having a little bit of an issue when I was trying to get it to format. It wouldn't format right. It didn't want to do what I needed it to do. So it, that, that was a little tricky there. So just be careful on that. Make sure you're very aware of what's going on there. Now your, your next step is to install the RetroPie image. Um, I'm going to skip over the Mac because, of course, I didn't do it on Mac. I did it on Windows. Very easy. Um, I use the, like it said, it's got a another software here to download. And I actually did use this because it was a very great software to use to install an image onto a SD card. It's Win32 Disk Imager Utility. All you have to do, super self-explanatory when you open up the software. It's very easy. Make sure you have your SD card selected. Then all you have to do is in the drop-down menu it says... Okay, which file do you want, basically, which ISO, it's, it's a disk image was what an ISO file is. You take that, put it in the little, you know, when you, in your little search bar, you search for your file that you want, put it in there, and then it's just going to say read, write, and all that, those buttons down there, just click write, and it copies it on there. Perfect. You're already done. That's the hard. I mean, that's that's basically putting the entire. You've got Raspberry. You've got RetroPie now on your SD card to plug into your Raspberry Pi. So, next step is to plug it into your Raspberry Pi and to connect everything up. Um, so, for me, you know, you're going to need a controller. And for some of the setup stuff, I would also recommend plugging up a keyboard until you get everything set up and going. So plug up keyboards so you have it there. But controller-wise, I actually used one of my PlayStation 4 controllers. You can actually use one of those. Just make sure you plug it into one of the USB ports and just keep it plugged in the entire time. And when you get, for, when you get on into the setup, it'll run you through prompts of setting up the controller. It's really great, really self-explanatory, straightforward, simple. So connect all that, connect it to your TV. 
it does connect through HDMI. You'll have to have an HDMI, but that's great because now you know you're going to have a higher quality uh, picture. So once you get all plugged up and everything, before you plug power in, you know, make sure you have all that plugged up. Even plug it up. Go ahead and plug it up to the internet as well because that way, uh, uh, that way it'll recognize it. And if you decide to later down the road do what's called an FTP uh, share over, then you can do the transfers through a program which I use, FileZilla. You can actually send it over the internet instead of having to do it through a USB card. Either way, but that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later. So now turn on your Raspberry Pi. As long as you're hooked up to your TV or even to your computer monitor, that's fine. However, you're going to play with it. Hook it up. There you go. Turns on. You'll start seeing some stuff come up, and it's great. The first thing you want to do is you want to make sure your internet connect, connects in and everything like that. So go through the steps there. It's right there, self-explanatory on the screen. Very easy, very straightforward. So just go through that and set that up. I would recommend doing it on Ethernet and not Wi-Fi, but if you have to do it Wi-Fi, it's not that bad. Especially if you have a Pi 3, you're going to have a great Wi-Fi radio on it. It's going to be really good. You shouldn't have any issues. So do that. Just follow the setups. It's just going in there, do the setup. You're great to go. Um, after you do that setup, what you're going to do is what's called expand your SD card to utilize all usable space. When you put it in the FAT or FAT XFAT format, it kind of shrinks down all the space and you can't use it all. So you have to go up in the file directory and open it up. So, and, and this is, is particularly um, valuable knowledge for you if you're using an SD card larger than four gigabytes. You're most likely gonna use an SD card larger than four gigabytes. I used a 64 gig one, so that way I can put whatever I want on it for as long as I need to because a lot of the ROMs you download are not going to be very big. Most of the ROMs, the, the way they explain it to a lot of people is like, if you think about Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers can fit with plenty of space left over on a standard JPEG image. That's crazy. The entire game data can fit inside a JPEG image several times over. It's not just one time, but several times over. So that shows you how how small these games were back then. They, they didn't have a whole lot of data in them. So having a bigger SD card is great. It just means you've got a ton of space to do yours. So you've got to make sure you do that. Now the thing is with doing this, when you go to expand the file system, this is where you're going to need to understand a little bit about programming. Now this thing is fantastic. This, uh, this, this uh, guideline here, this uh, tutorial on how to do it, uh, the howchew.com site, is great and like I said I know I reference this a lot but I'm gonna put I will put it in the description of the podcast and I'll put it on the Facebook page that way you can see it you have it there you'll have access to it whenever you need to and you'll see everything you need to it's great it, it shows you how to do it the thing is is this is where for me it got a little fuzzy now I didn't do the uh, commands like you were supposed to I wanted to use the actual user interfaces there so you got to go into the user interface so there is the um, there's a Raspberry Pi configuration in there, and it says Raspy Config. You got to make sure you go in there, and then it's in the advanced settings. They never said that you had to go to the advanced settings. So go to the advanced settings there, and then it'll be expand file system. Click on that, and then click yes, and it will do it for you. Or if you wanted to on your keyboard, press F4, and it'll go back to what's called shell. 
and then you enter this command. It's called sudo sudo raspy hyphen config. And then you can go in there and it'll give you the menu icon to be able to expand your file system. So make sure you do it. It's going to take it a little bit of time. And once it's finished, it'll go back to a kind of like a C prompt like it would for MS-DOS, but in their, in their version. So after that's done, what you want to do then is, and I recommend doing this, is you go into the back end, press the F4 to return to what they call the shell, and then hit, then type in sudo reboot. It'll reboot your Raspberry Pi. When you do, now you'll have all usable space on that SD card. You you'll be able to use it all. You won't be able to. You won't be limited to only four gigs. So there you go. Now also too is in this um, in the Raspberry config. You can go back in there and there are some things where it says update and upgrade. What I did is I actually went into the shell and did the commands. And the commands are, and they're all in this tutorial, once again I'll reference that several times, is sudo apt-git update. Put that in there, it'll get the updates. And then do the same thing for the sudo apt-git, do that, do that again, and then type in upgrade. And it'll now apply all those updates that it grabbed. And you will have your thing updated to the to the most recent version, the most current, everything they have on the back end. Great, super easy. So now that you've done all that, you want to make sure that all you know once all that's done, because you want to make sure all that's done and that actually works, is go back and reboot again. After all that's done, reboot, do the sudo reboot, and you're good to go. Now you can do your connect to your Pi. Now this is where you can actually get your ROMs and things like that, but what I would recommend doing for your first couple of runs is using a USB card. Use a USB jump drive, and that's that's what I did. And it's really easy to use it. It, it everything's done for you in it, so it's really good. So what you do is, is you go in and you're going to, let me make sure I get this, I want to make sure I do this for you right. He even, he even writes a separate guide for this. So with it is what you're going to do is you're going to build a file system on your USB flash drive. And what you do is you end up formatting it, and you're going to format it to FAT32. That way you know, it connects to your Windows or your Mac, and you'll be able to do that. Once you do that, you got to create the RetroPy folder. And what you would do is you just create you create in the retro drive create a folder called RetroPy, in uh in, in, all in lowercase and once you do that you're going to boot up your uh you're going to boot up your retro pi and uh, now you should build it and then connect it to your pi when you connect it to your pi it will automatically start building all of the folder structure under the retro pi folder Hopefully your USB thumb drive will have a light on it, LED indicator of some sort, and you can actually watch it work. As long as it's flickering, it's building that. As soon as the light goes solid or goes off, it's no longer building it, and it's safe for you to pull it out. When you pull, when you pull it out of your Raspberry Pi, you can go now take it over to your computer, and when you open it up, you'll see this file structure of all the different uh, files of the names of the different emulators that are on there. Genesis, the, NS, uh, the NES, the Super NES, all of those. I mean, it's even got Game Boy Advanced, all those. It's crazy how many emulators are on this thing. It's fantastic. So now that you have that file structure on that USB card, 
if you've already downloaded any ROMs, all you're going to have to do now is take your ROMs and drop it into the corresponding emulator folder. That's all you have to do. Once it's on that USB drive, make sure you eject it properly from your PC, like you should, and then stick it into your Raspberry Pi. And what's it going to? Uh, and at that point, your Raspberry Pi is now going to download everything that's in there, all those emulators, onto the actual SD card for the RetroPie. So now it'll be there, and it's good to go. You can actually, once it's done that, and after you've done a reboot on your RetroPie, you can actually pull the USB stick out and it will be there. It, will, it won't be off there. So you'll always have that there. So it'll be just like that. Perfect. Super easy. Super clean. And I love using it like with the USB. But I do have mine set with Ethernet as well. And I plan to eventually set it that way. Because that way I can manage it a little differently. And, and do, do more things with it. So once you have that done. And you have it set up. And have the ROMs that you want on your RetroPie. Now you can play your game. You've got whatever games you want at your disposal, and there you go. Super easy, super clean, and there you go. Um, as a disclaimer, I'm not going to tell you where to get ROMs from. Uh, if you don't own the ROM, then you know you need to find a way to own it, uh, to purchase it. If you can buy it, just be careful on that, because if you buy it from the wrong person and the person doesn't own it and they're selling it to you, that's illegal. So just give you that disclaimer, give you the heads up that you have to be careful about where you get your ROMs from, how you get your ROMs, and things like that. There are ways for you to get them and purchase them and things like that, so I'm not going to explain that to you because that's something that if you've gone this far into looking at get, doing a retro pie, then you have knowledge of where to get those from. So I'll leave that up to you. But I will say that I have enjoyed my RetroPods. Really nice, really fun to play. And, you know, when you're reading through this tutorial, you'll see a way that you can actually hook your controller up to uh, wireless, to where you can have it wireless at that point. I really like that feature. I mean, I granted now I have a 10-foot USB cable that I have my controller plugged up to right now because I just haven't taken the time to follow those steps. But the how-to tutorial has all those in there, have, has the links on how to do that, and it's great for that. Um, one thing too uh, that I forgot to mention about this is, is the Raspberry Pi, when you have that controller hooked up, whenever you have a controller hooked up by USB, an on-screen thing's going to come up and say, okay, you have, as long as the little blue, if you're using a PS4 controller, as long as the blue light's lit up, it's going to say, okay, you have a DualShock 4 controller or DualShock 3, whichever one you're using, plugged in. When it does, it's going to take you through a tutorial of mapping the buttons. So it's going to have your A, B, X, Y, your up, down, left, right, your bumpers, your triggers, all of that. Just follow through, and there you go. Now, there's going to be a little differences there because the PlayStation 4 controller doesn't have a start button. I just use share for start instead. Um, it's going to have your um, joysticks. Um, just be really careful and watch because I, I actually had to redo that a few times because for whatever reason, it either sped through it or created problems. Also, too, on my controllers, I actually use trigger stops. So if you don't know what those are, those are just, it keeps the trigger from having to travel all the way down to push it to activate the button. I do that because it actually makes me shoot a little faster on my games, especially my first-person shooter games. 
So I have trigger sh trigger stops on there. I recommend turning the trigger stops off or taking them out. I do have both the, the uh, screw-in type trigger stops and the flip uh, so, so the flip trigger stops because of my scuff controller. So just make sure you have those trigger stops turned off while you're doing that. Otherwise, it's going to read bad and it could mess it up. And be extremely careful when you're doing this. Only press the button that they're asking you to press at that time. Otherwise, it's going to map something wrong. And you don't want that because then when you go to play the game, it's just... It's going to mess up your movements, but the great thing is it maps all buttons on the controller, so that way it knows what to, what what's going on and all that, things like that. So once I did that and I fired up Street Your Raids, man, let me tell you, it was so much fun to play the game on that Retro Pie. It was nice, crisp. The graphics looked great. You know, I've got my uh, my Retro Pie hooked up to my 4K TV. It's just a 40-inch 4K, so for me, I think it's actually a little sharper than some of the others because it's smaller if everything feels a little more dense. So really sharp, really clean picture. Sounded great. The menu looks really good on the Retro Pie. You get to scroll over to the different emulators, and it tells you how many ROMs you have in each emulator. You Once you go into those... The, the different emulators, you can select which ROM you want to play, and you're good to go. Now, one of the issues that I have had with it is when you're playing a game, there's no, at least I didn't see it when I was playing Streets of Rage with that ROM, there was no way to exit and go back just to the menu. I actually had to go over to the, to the RetroPie, unplug the power, and plug it back up. Not going to hurt anything, but that's kind of one of those minor inconveniences that you might have to deal with. So make sure you have your Raspberry Pi somewhere where you can very well, very easily access the uh, the, the 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 power plug. Um, it's a USB power. It's micro USB, so you probably got tons of those cords laying around because I know I sure do. And just use a standard uh, plug that you would use for your for your cell phone charger. And, the, and there you go. I mean, I know some people that have actually even plugged their Raspberry Pi into their TV USB ports. I don't recommend that. I would recommend having it on power because then that way you can control it a little better. But, you know, if if you're in a pinch, you could do that. Um, definitely, you know, that's that's the kind of, that, that's to me, that's a little bit of the one negative that I have about the Raspberry Pi or the Retro Pi is the fact that there was no specific way to do that. Now, I do know that... If you look and search on Amazon, you can actually find a Raspberry Pi kit that would have a power on and off button. And if you could do that, that would actually probably be really good. Um, but that's going to be an advanced setup because you actually have to do a little bit of programming with the power button. It's not something you just plug up and now all of a sudden you have a power button. You have to do a little bit of programming on it. Not much, I don't think. But just definitely be prepared that you might have a little bit of that. There might be a power button out there that's just a plug-in. That's it. No big deal. But a lot of the stuff on here is not plug-and-play. A lot of it is, is okay, you plug it in have to do a little bit of setup. Not much, but a little bit. So be prepared for that. Uh, another cool thing is, is they do have a lot of uh, cases out there that look like old Nintendos, old Super Nintendos, Genesis, things like that. So if you want to get fun and customize it up a little bit, you can. Um, but just look at it and see see what you like. It's definitely to your to your liking. I've just got one of the Raspberry Pi official cases. It's the one that's actually kind of got like the raspberry color body and then it's got pieces that clip on that are white so it's really i i like it because it, it's just the whole raspberry pi feel to me 
And I like it because it's got the clip-on sides, the clip-on top. So if I ever wanted to add any components to it, very easy to add to. So uh, really neat little thing, really cool to check out. And um, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at my time, and I realize, guys, I've already been talking for 32 minutes. I really didn't think that with this subject I'd be talking that long, but I'm, I'm really surprised that I've taken up that much time. So, But um, I'm probably not, I'm probably, probably won't talk about anything else because I really don't want to take up a lot of your time on this one. So, guys... That's really all about I have to say about the Raspberry Pi and the Retro Pi software. Um, great little device, very fun to use. It's something I'm going to be using a lot now. And, and even though I do have an SNES Mini, I'm still going to use both of them. But you know, for some of the more obscure things that you don't have on the SNES Mini, I will definitely be using the Raspberry Pi and the Retro Pi software to get that those things to make sure I have that. Guys, if you've got any questions about this, feel free to contact me. You, you've got all my stuff on our Facebook page. This podcast will be under all of our stuff on H&K. This is only just a side podcast to H&K. It's all a part of H&K and everything we do. Um, but please, you know, give us a listen on this. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you've enjoyed what, we've had, what I've had to say about this. I know a lot of it's kind of, to me, feels rambling right now, but hopefully it'll make sense to you when you listen. And I hope you get an understanding and a clear understanding of this. Guys, I want to, want to say thank you again so much for listening to our podcast. We've had so much fun bringing you our experience in gaming, our love for gaming, and everything that's going on in the gaming world. Um, I've really enjoyed bringing some news content content to you guys. I've enjoyed things like that. If you've got somebody that likes gaming and hasn't heard our podcast, please get them uh, to listen. I, I know they would enjoy it. I mean, it's something fun. It brings back memories. I was so thankful of hearing the comments of some of the guys that I grew up with talking about how much they've loved listening to the podcast. Guys, if you listen to this, once again, thank you so much for listening. That's that's really means a lot to both Hollywood and I for for all those comments. It's it's been a really uplifting thing, and that's actually given us more drive to do different things. And that's kind of what pushed me to really get off my tail and do the fireside chat for y'all. Um, so don't want to take up any more of your time, guys. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope this helped. Like I said, I will have all of the links in the uh in the description of this podcast and also on facebook i'll put up uh i'll put those links up there as well so once again from hnk experience this is clear fire with fireside chats saying thank you very much and enjoy listening i hope you enjoy listening more of our podcast thank y'all very much